Welcome to Embrace Your Brain with Dr. D. Joy Coulter. These short weekly brain bits give you fresh glimpses into how your mind works and how to develop its natural brilliance. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, building a great working memory. When we're born, very few of our brain's incredible systems are in place yet. Our close vision works pretty well, our sense of smell is great, and we can enjoy music and loving voice tones a lot. But most of the brain skills we rely on as adults develop slowly over time, and working memory is one of those. Let's look at our brain's timetable for developing working memory skills. The first hint that we're holding something in our mind and waiting is as an infant when we're looking at peekaboo or we're watching an object kind of go behind a book and then come back on the other side. So we can see that a child is tracking. We even call that object constancy. They're storing it temporarily in their minds. It doesn't become a big deal until about third or fourth grade, though. And that's where we start holding visual patterns. Perhaps when you were that age, you played a game of concentration with cards, and you'd turn one up, and then you'd look for its mate somewhere else. And you didn't find it, you'd turn them both down again, but the other person saw both of those cards. So if they turned another one up that was one, they can find the second one, and, and they win that pair. I don't know if you played that, but that was a great experience, and you probably loved it in third and fourth grade because it was helping your working memory back then. The next time we see it is somewhere between fourth and fifth grade, around age 10 and 11, which is a time that it spurts. Kids are drawn to practicing long sequences. Probably you sang songs like Mary Mac or Old MacDonald, 12 Days of Christmas, I Found a Peanut... And you had complex hand clap games, maybe, that were way beyond the patty cake. By then, your brain is making stronger connections, too. You can create memory tricks for holding temporary information in your head, create key words around the first letters or anchor it to numbers. You had all sorts of tricks for holding a few things for a little bit of time. The final growth spurt comes at between ages 15 and 17. And at that time, you're building a faster and longer working memory. So for some kids, it happens early, and some it happens later. For some, it stops kind of short, and for others, it goes to an incredible length, and they can hold many items in their working memory. It's absolutely vital if you are wanting to learn to drive. I mean, think about how much pressure it puts on working memory. You had to simultaneously track brakes, rearview mirror, side mirror, who's pulling out, who's in your blind spot, black ice, speed limits, road signs, construction zones. You were constantly rotating your attention over these ever-changing targets. These are all visual working memory tasks. And that's also why texting while driving is so dangerous, because it takes over, and it knocks that simultaneous visual tracking offline, and it draws attention inward and away from the road. Even when focusing, driving skills are very hard if you have a poor working memory. And as you'd expect, research is showing that those who have poor working memory or are slower to develop it have by far the most accidents in their first years of driving. Once we're adults, our working memory tends to settle into a certain carrying power. 
If we aren't satisfied with that, or if we have a head injury that damages its power, there are things we can do about it. So what in the world do strong and weak working memory patterns actually look like? I spent many years testing students and consulting about their learning problems, and I did a measure of working memory, among the other things. The standard test used to be, how many numbers can I give you that you will then give me backwards? So here are some examples of the strongest and weakest working memories that I ever encountered. The strongest one were able to hold six numbers and give them to me in reverse order. The first one like that was actually dyslexic, and often a dyslexic person is going to have a good working memory. His goal was to become a chef, and he went on to be great. The second one was a sports lover. He was fantastic at long-term memory, too, and he became a sports announcer. He had to have that high, fluid intelligence to go with the moment and a good working memory in order to hold the bits that were going on, but he also had to have amazing retrieval skills in his stored information pockets, too. The weakest ones looked like this. If I gave them a standard test of how many numbers can they give me back in a backward order, if I gave them three, it was over their heads. The weakest working memory I ever encountered was a young man who could only handle two digits at a time. I'd give them to him, he could tell me those two backward. If I added a third, he couldn't do it. He was very bright, though, and wonderful at reasoning. He thought he wanted to grow up and be a water engineer, and that could work, because all the manuals carried the information, he didn't have to hold it in his head. But the kids loved him because he was fantastic on road trips. He would be the lead person, and he always spotted the best diversions along the way. He was never constrained by advanced planning because he couldn't remember what they were planning anyway. And he was usually lucky about finding gas stations, restaurants, and lodging at the right times. So what's happening with weak working memory patterns like that? The first thing is it erases too fast, and then the trace won't stay long enough to be useful. And they are going to then have to invent a lot of workarounds in school and in life if that's what's going on. If you have a problem like that, you probably are in love with post-it notes and step-by-step -step instructions and creating systems that create order, even talking out loud so you can hear your working memory before it fades. If you've ever had a closed head injury, a whiplash, you'd be in the same boat for a while as your brain heals. The scrambling usually affects the frontal lobes where working memory operates. It's a slow recovery process sometimes, and it takes practice. But research does show that the adult brain can stretch working memory skills. In the next podcast, we'll look at how to do that. And we'll also talk about a completely unexplored way to use your working memory. No one has ever talked about working memory as a tool for tracking inner realities. But over the years, my college students clearly showed me that this was possible. So next time, we'll take a closer look at what I learned from them and how to stretch our working memory if it needs a boost. If you're enjoying these podcasts, I think you'll love my book, Original Mind, Uncovering Your Natural Brilliance. It's available at EmbraceYourBrain.com.